0: hi and hello watch fans, and welcome to another edition of fratello on air today i am joined by our good friends martin fry from erverk and asha rapkin from collective we are conducting this podcast across a very wide time zone so firstly thanks guys for making the effort to join us and uh, asha how many coffees have you had this morning
1: I actually brought the entire French press into the office with me, so I will have several over the course of this conversation. Good, you good doing, planning.
0: Man? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Great to have you here. Can you tell our listeners where you're calling in from?
1: Absolutely. I'm calling in from uh, Ventura, California, which is uh, just north of Los Angeles.
0: Well, doesn't that sound exotic? Ventura, California. <laughs> Sounds great. Actually,
1: the full name, the full name is, which uh, my partner Gabe insists on putting on on our on our all of our business uh, uh, documentation, is San Buenaventura, California. So, how's that for exotic?
0: That's taking it far too far, I think. You know, you're going to have to start having like gold foil business cards if you start going down that route. That's a bit, a bit fresh.
1: You're saying I shouldn't have gold foil business cards?
0: No, well, I, I meant it to sound like that, and now I'm regretting it <laughs> and thinking I should get some gold foil business cards myself. So. Uh
1: I'm just going to slowly put those in my desk drawer and move along.
0: (laughs) That's a good job we turned the videos off for this podcast. Uh, Martin, where are you calling us from?
2: I'm calling from beautiful Zurich, you know, uh, sunny and midday, you know, perfect, perfect, uh, you know, temperature. It was raining up to now, but now because of you, I guess, because of the day, uh, it's beautiful and sunny, almost like summer.
0: What a nice thing to say. Uh, I was just um, caught in a thunderstorm in the middle of East Germany. Um, So my day is distinctly less uh, luxurious by the sounds of things, but it does seem to be brightening up outside here as well. So the power of unity is shining through the clouds once more. Talking of unity, you guys are working on a very exciting project together, and we want to dig into that a little bit. Asher, for our listeners who don't know uh, your story or who you're representing so well, could you tell us... What is Collective and what inspired you to start it? Sure, of course.
1: So, uh, Collective creates collaborative timepieces for a community of enthusiasts. And what that means is, uh, my partner Gabe and I, who are uh, uh, massive watch uh, fans to begin with, I don't want to call us collectors. We we just love this 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 industry and this and this art form. Um, we formed Collective to be able to create um, a communal space for individuals who, who really love the art to be able to come together and to do so in a way that was cordial, open-minded um, and, and oriented towards sharing and education so that we could really capitalize on what made um, being part of a watch community so wonderful for us 10, 12 years ago, um, meeting new people, being exposed to new forms of art and sharing that with our friends. And the glue that holds us together are the collaborative uh, projects that we create for the community, the most recent of which was with our friends at Erwerk, Um, And uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is, uh, this is probably one of my most favorite projects that I've had a chance to work on professionally, period, not even just uh, with Collective. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it does sound like a thrilling collaboration from afar and I know very little about it so I'm going to be learning uh, along with our listeners exactly what it is that you have in store for us. Uh we're going to be running this podcast I believe on the day of release so we can talk candidly sure. about it which is nice because I'm very I'm very excited to hear. I was a big fan of what you've done so far. Uh, I particularly liked the Zenith. I thought that was really uh fresh, minty fresh, ice white, <laughs> very cool. Um tell me this right so you started this community because like, it sounds to me like the most important thing for you um, aside from working with these awesome brands and like having your say in what is made, was the community aspect, like the vibe, the feeling that you could like just sort of sit down and chat to people and there wasn't ceremony around it. Did you feel that was lacking in the industry in this era? Yeah, I do.
1: Um, and, and I think that there's indications of this all around. I mean, if we look at, uh, I mean, you can see it in, in the mainstream, you know, when when you have uh, a, a fairly detailed piece from Jack Forster a few months ago. Talking about the re, you know, imagining of Hodinkee's community and and the new rules and what do those rules really boil down to? They boil down to please, please, please be be nicer, be more, be kinder, be more respectful and open minded. And I think that that summarizes a lot of the challenges that have been happening in, in the digital space and in watch communities in general. There's a lot of people who, um, you know, have have come into the space, which is wonderful. It's great to see the tent get bigger. But, but with that larger tent has come a little bit of a loss of the personal connections that, that, that used to exist when the community was smaller. And that means that people can sometimes be a little bit more shy about sharing or about uh, you know pointing out that their interests lie outside of the mainstream. And to me, that's that, that's a loss. That's a very significant loss. So within Collective, we wanted to create a place where it doesn't matter if you love uh, modifying Seiko 5s or, or if you're an Iver collector. The point is you you love watches and you want to talk about why you do. And hopefully, hopefully, you'll be able to to share a little bit of that, you know, that joy that you have when you mod the pieces with with the with the guy who's gonna suddenly open your mind to why you are one oh three was so special.
0: Despite the obvious advantages of this new digital landscape in which we live, where communication across borders and from one side of the world to the other is a piece of cake and takes a matter of seconds. Do you think that in some ways it has made it harder to build like a real genuine sustainable community where people are connected like emotionally?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, for, for, for decades, there's been this concept of the, the internet paradox, right? That the more connected we become, the more isolated we feel. And I think, um, right. And I don't think anybody needs an education in that after, after the last 18 months, but my God, but I think that that's, uh, that if nothing else that demonstrates that, um, our need for connection in a meaningful way, our need to, to, to find like-minded souls that care about the things that we do is profound. And uh, the internet is a valuable tool for that, but it is not the only tool for that. And I think part of what really excites me about the idea of of any form of community, you know, whether it's collective or otherwise, nowadays is we've all leaned on one another to the greatest extent that the digital platforms permit us or, you know, or technically able to do. And we're about to reemerge into the physical world. And I think um, it's, it's more important than ever that we take what we've learned about, about being open-minded about listening, about connecting with people through, you know, uh, the last 18 months and we bring it into the world with us again, so that we have that deep, desire, um, you know, to, to share and, and and we cultivate that, uh, uh, in person again. I mean, that gets me very excited. And I think that's, that's part of the reason why I I love what we do.
0: I mean, it is exciting and it's fascinating to watch it, uh, from the ground level, see exactly what changes that we had to make over the last 18 months stick and what things we've learned from this time, uh, isolated from one another. Um, we, we'd be glad to say goodbye to. And, um, I think that we can't wait at Fotello to organize our get togethers again and uh, work with our community because we we love that aspect of the of job, of course. And really, that is, I think, what makes Fotello stick out. We have a very friendly community already. We're, we're rather lucky in that regard. Uh, we, we take great pains to foster that kind of connection and openness and inclusivity, which the industry has not always been the best at doing and has perhaps been forced to reevaluate over the recent months. Uh, talking of uh, the industry can you tell us uh martin how did you first come to meet asher and gabe and what was it that inspired you to work together
2: it's really uh, a sign of our times you know that we that we met um basic we met on for this project uh, uh, in the virtual space uh, so we're just talking about the fact that uh, for the last um, more than uh, one year uh, we're kind of um, you know um, a bit uh, reduced in our in our contacts uh, uh, you know in person uh, but that uh, that doesn't mean that we don't uh, meet each other um, and uh, so happily technology provided us with the, with the means of um, cyberspace and uh, with the, with the new uh, medias you know that uh, that help us to to connect and uh, to get to know each other and to, to talk to each other and even uh, you know um, work on on projects on cool projects together uh, without actually really uh, physically uh, being in the same space, even though what what also is clear is that it uh, it shows us you know how how much um, this is different when when one actually meets each other in real and I, I have to tell you i can't wait to to see everybody that was working on this project. Um, best, you know, at that place, you know that we all know, um, in New York, and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to to that, you know. So um, that's actually um, that's uh, that's what I can say to that. It was accompanying con- me and us, I'd say, uh, throughout this COVID year, um, this our project, and I was just thinking about that as well. That that that's something great about this project. That it somehow. Um, helped me to go through this, you know, because we had, we had every now and then we had our meetings, and we were busy thinking about really cool stuff. So that that of course uh, made it easier, you know, to go through it. I have to say.
1: Yeah, I I have to agree with you on that one. <laughs> And it is wild that I've never met you. That is completely yeah. insane to me. Now that, it's like, I, I guess I never really put words to it. It's true,
2: but, but but as we found out, you know, we were we might have been in the same spot, you know, much earlier on in our lives, right?
1: Yeah. So, well, so, so um, <laughs> Rob, we can share this in in, in a minute, but um, I think we we figured out through the process of this that um, I, I totally used to bike by Martin's grandfather's house in Princeton on my way to go get ice cream as a kid, so. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: it's, a bit, it's a bit creepy.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, and I would stop and I peer in the windows. <laughs> yes. No, but it was uh, uh so it's all sorts of little things we've discovered through this project that that I think have have made um have made it a little bit more personal for each of us. Um but uh I I, I although I was thinking uh, Martin I think I think we met originally by introduction through our mutual friend Danny. Is that not so?
2: Yes. Yeah, that can be, but it was just a brief uh, you know, meeting. It was it was i didn't know uh, i didn't know you very well and i got to know you better you know through our uh, you know through our project and uh, it it's really that you know that we met uh, one can say you know through to, uh to cyberspace or to the to the virtual connection here
1: we wasn't in person it was just it was just an email introduction as i recall um
0: it will be phenomenal i think to our listeners that such a collaboration can be forged without having actually met one another in person and uh i think this is yeah very much a sign of the times and like you both said it maybe came along at the perfect time for you to keep you sane and occupied throughout uh, throughout lockdown but these things, um, these things can happen in many different ways. And relationships, of course, can be built uh, digitally and uh, through the screen these days. I, in fact, I haven't even met half of my Fratello teammates. You wouldn't believe That's it. It's wild. Um, but we, <laughs> yeah, we haven't had a chance to... Uh, so, Asha, you say you listen to the podcast. You know, Balaj and I have never actually met in real life. No way, really? Not once. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, seriously. No, know. Well, that's crazy. Um, but same with you guys, because I mean, we just finished our, one of our collaborations a couple of weeks ago with Chapek and that was very much an old school relationship, how it came about, like Xavier and I knew each other for years through like the, you know, Chapek being in the market and me, uh, being a journalist covering the development of that brand. But now here we have like a perfect example of like, um, a lockdown success story really. And, um, Talking of the watch itself, which we, we definitely need to, where did the design start? Who like who kicked around the first ideas? How did you refine them together? I mean, I don't know if you've told the story a hundred times already to other people or even in your own heads, but I'll, I'll just pitch it out to the pair of you and see where <laughs> we get with this. So what's the story?
1: Sure. Uh, Martin, you want me to kick it off? Yes, please. Uh, well, well, first of all, uh, congratulations on the chapic. It's beautiful, um, and uh, they're a lovely group of people over there. So that's that's awesome that you guys are doing that, and and, and many congratulations to you. Um, Thank you. Thank of you course. Very much. Um, so this project started um, a, a little bit backwards from the way that actually we normally approach things. Normally, we we we're looking for uh, the way that we identify a good collaborator is by by trying to identify that the people at the at the company that we think are are going to be the best collaborators and then we work backwards into the design um but with this particular approach um both uh, Gabe and I were so excited about the potential to be able to to work with or work that we 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 just we we literally walked in the door um and in our heads it was whatever we do will be interesting so there wasn't even there was no concern on our side about creativity or open mindedness because just take one look at, at uh, Martin and Felix's watches and you can be pretty confident that open-mindedness is a pretty, is a pretty key element to, to how, how they approach their design, which is not the way a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, other companies work. So with this one, um, uh, to, to make a long story short, we, we knew that we wanted to work with the UR100 as a platform from the beginning. And, and I think Martin, we had agreed on that. Like almost uh, once we decided that we were going to work together, we knew we was going to be a UR 100, but the question, exactly. yeah, yeah but, but I don't, I don't think any of us really knew exactly what it was going to be. So Gabe, originally we had this idea um, and, and Martin, I don't, I think we told you about this, but if, if I didn't, then, then, then forgive me for blindsiding some blindsiding you, but our original idea was that we were actually going to go and we were going to try to find a, a way to, to launch one of these watches itself into space and and then work with <laughs> Whoa. Wait, 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 oh, I, I didn't
2: know internet. that. I wait, didn't know. Did I not tell
1: you <laughs> this? Okay, all right. So this was Gabe's original okay. idea. So Gabe so so Gabe and I are sitting in the backyard and, and we're we're working through like ideas we want to bring to you. And one of the original ideas was you can, and this is more money than than I than than we than we have, of course, but, but less than you would think. If you have a million dollars, you can actually launch a piece of like like a watch sized object into space as payload aboard a uh, SpaceX <laughs> rocket. And we thought, okay, well, maybe the idea is we, you know, cause we wanted to create this, this deep, we wanted to work on a project that would create a very deep and personal connection to, to the watch itself. And we thought, wouldn't it be fascinating if the complication would tell you when that object was overhead. So we looked into it and it is a million dollars. I don't have a million dollars. That would have been cool. But, um, and also there's this whole argument of like, are we creating more space junk and blah, 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 blah. But that opened up our mind to, well, what if, what if we looked at other objects that are already in low earth orbit? And that led us, um, down a meandering path where we spoke to, um, we spoke to observatories, we spoke to museums, we spoke to astronomers. And ultimately, as I was going through, um, uh, a book that I had in our office, I came across a photo of the space shuttle enterprise and, um, I mentioned to Gabe that there that wasn't there a space shuttle in a museum here in LA? And he said, yeah, but you know, there's also a space shuttle at a museum that was really important to both Gabe and I growing up, which is called a museum called the intrepid sea air and space museum in New York city museum. That's, that's had a lot of trouble um, in the last year as, as every museum in the world due to COVID. And we reached out to them and to say that they were open to working with us would be a gross understatement. They are the sweetest kindest, most lovely human beings. And we shared with them that we wanted to create a watch that would be in one way or another, a tribute to the enterprise and that we wanted to do it with a fairly unusual watch company and, um, that we were going to, and, we, and we're about to do this as well. Um, and that we were going to donate a not insignificant portion of the proceeds to the museum to benefit it. Would they be open to working with us? And not only were they open to working with us and, and Martin, I'll turn it over to you now, because I think you, you, you spent a lot of time with, with our partner there, Eric, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, um, uh, curator of aviation, they really were the, th- um, a true third collaborator and this project would not happen without them. So we were able to create a watch, um, which we'll talk through in a moment, but uh, a watch that is truly a tribute to the experience of flying the space shuttle. And uh, Martin, I, I wonder, at first, uh, did I get that right <laughs> if I didn't? Absolutely. Um, okay, cool. Absolutely. Um, and I'd lo- I, I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about Eric? Because I feel like you, you and him had a, had a pretty cool connection through this project.
2: Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, it was, it was, first of all, it was great to find out that we do a project together with the uh, Intrepid Museum. Because uh, uh, as it is for you, you know, the Intrepid uh, um, was important for me as well. I was living in New York for a couple of years. And uh, and I went there a couple of times. I, I witnessed um, uh, an art performance uh, of um, uh, super cool art performance on on the ship. And uh, you know it, it it has a it has a a, a big uh, meaning to me. It's a, it's a cool museum. I went to see the uh, you know the, there's a U-boat, a submarine there next to it, and uh, but they didn't have yet the uh, <clears throat> the space shuttle. There, that's new to me. I I, I, I knew it before that, um, but anyway, when I found out that we that we do a, a, a collaboration, a, a, a you know a project together with them, I was of course uh, more than happy. I'm a big uh, space fan. I'm a, I'm a you know I, I was born into the, the you know time that uh, the Americans went to to the moon. So for me, this is a very important thing. Um, my father is a physicist. He worked. Uh, in basic research, and um, he, of course, was following the, the you know, the space program uh, very close up, and uh, so the, we got, we got, of course, uh, my sister and I, we got also uh, uh, somehow hooked up there. But <clears throat> so I, I um, met, uh, um, I met Eric also you know, through the, uh, through the internet, of course, through, through uh, cyberspace. And uh, he then, uh, you know, started to talk about the space shuttle they have there on uh, in the museum, uh, inside of the boat, inside of the Intrepid uh, um, airplane carrier. <clears throat> and he he told me, yeah, I can, you know, if you want to see things, you know, I just could go there and take some pictures, you know, I send you stuff. And so we established this uh this connection and this uh, um, work, uh, you know, relationship where he would go to the uh, t- to the museum and and take pictures of of uh, possible uh, inspiration um, um, images and details and so I got to see the uh, the spaceship um, you know in a way that I haven't seen it before. So it just brought me closer to what I really like a lot, you know, and that's. Uh, and that's everything that is connected to to the astronauts to the uh, you know to 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 space <clears throat> and of course also to uh, to science fiction uh, so for me for me uh, this whole project is like the perfect project and, uh, and that's just how it started you know that's just how how it began and and eric is is really a, a very sensitive uh, person cool guy you know and he was when we were talking he was also in his lockdown uh, chambers, so to say, and he was there and there's like uh, like uh, some birds uh, in the background uh, <laughs> so it was it was just uh, it was really great to to somehow uh, talk to each other like this you know and and work uh, and and begin to work on this on this uh, on this great uh, project you know?
1: so one thing martin actually points out, which i think is is something that's that's really been wonderful about this particular project versus um some others that we've had the chance to work on is um you know, oftentimes what happens, and this is just, this is just the reality of creative, you know I mean? And this, this happens in my day job. I work in, in marketing and advertising. You know, you, you, come together at the beginning, you know, there's a real connection and then the work kind of happens over, over email, you know, you go back and forth, you see it, you revise, you send notes, you revise, et cetera. But what was so special about this is for months, um, it was like every Tuesday or every Wednesday at, at like six in the morning Pacific, for an hour and a half, two hours, you know, all of us—Gabe, myself, uh, Eric, Martin, Felix, um, some of our, some of the other sort of extended team members—would get on these long Zoom calls. And and what was really exciting about it, and and, and I think this is part of why I, I loved working with you so much, Martin, was I, I there? There never really was a point. Where, where, where we would, we would hear sort of like a classic refrain of like, oh, that can't be done. Or like our supplier won't produce in this number. Or like, that's a neat idea, but it's impossible. It was always, well, that's cool. How, it, Eric, tell us more about that. Let's, let's explore that, you know, or, you know, and, and the thing is when, when you approach, when you approach a project like that, um, there's such like a happiness and positivity about it because you don't feel like you're painting inside lines, you know, and, and it, 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 by the time you're at the end of the project, what you look at feels like a comprehensive and a complete idea because you've, you've done the, you've done the exercise of really asking all the questions that you want to ask, you know, versus looking at, at a project years later and saying, you know, if we had only had that chat or if we'd only, you know, done this extra thing, I mean, one thing that, you know, and we'll talk about the design aspect in a moment, but it's not just the watch, you know, we, Martin, um, Felix, uh, and, and us—we we work together to, to build. Um, I mean, we've changed the box the watch comes in. We've rewritten the manual. We've designed um, a mission patch for the program. We've done all of these elements that came out of these conversations because we realized, as we did it, that they were all critical to the idea. And um, it's just so—it's just so unusual and, and joyful to work with with people who are creative and and, and willing to to do something, even though it's extra work, because it's the right work. And that's just not, it's just not normal. It's just not normal anymore. (laughs) It's just awesome to see it.
2: That's the Urwerk way, you know. We do it all the time like this, (laughs) of course. No, but, uh, and, and, yeah, another thing is it comes along with the, with the, with the theme, you know. I think a big part of it is uh, the fact that, uh, that we just, we were boys at some point, you know, And, and we still are to a certain degree. And if you have to think about something connected to, to astronauts, to the space program, to rockets and stuff, it's just something that that's, that 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 is enjoyable because we' somehow are directly connected with our uh, you know our childhood dreams. you know I, th- I think that's that's one part of it also
0: I mean that's a core tenet of the Ivok brand identity, and really why this collaboration was possible in this way, Asher, I guess, like you say, you've had experiences of working with other companies in the past that focus on uh, the brand. Always. Is it within brand? Is it on brand? Is it going too far outside the box? Is this too crazy? Can we take this risk? Luckily, of course, those things are what define. Yeah, exactly. Going outside of the box, taking those risks. So it isn't really so much that like the process is different. It's just because the brand is such a perfect fit for this kind of ambition. Uh, you can sit down, you can say anything. I mean, I I really would love to have been a fly on the wall at those uh, brainstorming sessions when you're throwing out ideas of what materials you could use here or what colors you could use there. Because I'm sure there was a lot of nonsense that ended up on the cutting room floor, as I say, but that's what makes a project like this so much fun, right? Being able to explore those avenues. And like you say, at the very end, know that you have explored them properly and thoroughly and overturned every rock in the pursuit of well, a great watch, which is what you've got. So, tell us about the design specifically now. What it is?
1: Well, actually, I was just—I was just thinking when you said that, um, uh, Martin. Do you remember when we were talking about materials? Um, and I think we were talking about case materials. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember right. who, but someone on the conversation was like, you know, we really should explore because aluminum is such a critical element of, of uh, right. yes, <laughs> you know what I'm going right. So it's like right. this, this critical element of, of the watch, you know, and, and, and you could see, you could see Felix's face just be like, oh, for the love of God, please do not make an aluminum watch. It's just like, you know, like <laughs> don't make me do this. <laughs>
2: but he didn't say no. Why not? Yeah. Well,
1: but you could just you could, it, you could see it. <laughs> but but it wasn't it wasn't no. It's not because my supplier. It's like no, I don't want to work with aluminum, which is a completely legitimate reason.
2: He did right. it already. That's that's the reason why. Yeah. Well,
1: there you go. <laughs> some point. life is the best best teacher, I guess. But I'm sorry, Robert. Exactly. What, what were you asking? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm not even sure anymore. I know look, I, I got an answer that I definitely <laughs> wanted to hear, even if I'm not sure if I asked the question. But um, oh, we're talking about the design the design of the watch, I think is what you're asking. I'm sure our listeners are like crying out for it. We've said about five times already, oh, we're <laughs> going to get to the design of the watch in a moment. They're like, what does it look like? Tell us what it looks like. Anyway, wait, be patient. Dear listeners, we have more for you. <laughs> I'm curious to know, beyond aluminum, um or aluminium for our european listeners if you if you don't speak american um what other materials did you, i'm bilingual what can i say what other materials did you actually explore did you try like moon rock um, fuzzy foam
2: for for a moment we were of course thinking about uh, something that is uh, in, in connection to this to the space shuttle is, is something that's in the mind and that's uh the ceramic uh tiles that you that you have on this on the Surface to pro- protect the the spaceship when um, it's uh, re-entering the um, uh, Earth, so to say, or the the, the um, uh the atmosphere and uh, so, so that was for a moment there was a thought you know should we should we do something in connection to to ceramics and so on that's that could have that could have been an interesting uh, way too but then um uh it, it to me you know when i was when I was thinking about it, it came really quick to to the instruments on board of a of a of a space shuttle because for me uh uh it's it's when you, when you think about a, a, a watch uh, and and time telling time keeping uh, then of course you know very close to this are the in- instruments on board, and it's it's really true that the uh, a spaceship uh, is basically uh, uh, a clock uh, that travels to 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 space, and uh, it is so much connected to uh, to time and to to be at a certain point at at the at the, uh, the right time and to do the right thing at the right time that you couldn't really say that the that the spaceship is a is a is a clock nothing else and so so the instruments of course uh, are the somehow the interface where where a human being um uh, somehow is, somehow inter- interferes or con- connects uh, and works the machine and therefore you sit in the cockpit of of the space shuttle and you have the instruments in front of you and I'm already with the, the you know the apollo program I uh, I of course loved the you know the instruments in the, in the space in the, in the in the spaceship um you have this crazy you know uh um, you know gawks, you have the switches and you have the lights and all this and this is something that i'm a big fan of so uh for me also the somehow the, the space shuttle um went through a transformation uh, at the beginning with with uh, instruments that looked still a bit like like in a, in a, in an airplane um and then uh, they, they became much more um uh, modern with computer and touch screens with, with somehow with, with screens instead of uh, actual physical instruments like in the old, uh, in, like in an airplane. But, uh, you know, the the aesthetics, I would say, uh, or the, just the style, you know, uh, looking at the cockpit of, uh, of a space shuttle is just overwhelming. So I, I think, uh, I thought at the time that the the, so the, the the watch has to be somehow connected to that. That was actually the, the, somehow after while you know talking about different materials maybe cons- considering ceramics and other things and aluminum whatsoever um you know uh, for me it became clear that it should be uh, the instruments that are somehow the main inspiration behind it which i think
1: led us to what we wanted to say with this piece so so the watch itself mm-hmm. um is uh uh based off of the ur100 so if your listeners. Um, well, I guess the watch is, is out now, so you can see it. But um, but the but the UR one hundred is a it, uh, has two complications on it. Um, the, the base like the, the base model, um, which which are 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 very much about in, at least in my mind, contemplating the nature of time. And we wanted to connect that watch back to the experience as we learned more about the space shuttle. I I, I felt more personally connected to it. I mean, and 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 as I think my parents. Were connected to the Apollo program, I was connected to the space shuttle program. And this is what I watched growing up. I wanted to, I dreamt of going to space camp. I dreamt of, you know, the idea of, of, of commercial space travel because of this idea that the space shuttle was reusable. And for it to be reusable, uh, the two most important uh, elements uh, or experiences of it were, were blasting off, right? Going to space and then coming back and then being able to do that again and again and again. And part, and that as a result, this watch is a tribute to that. So, you have Martin, uh, what Martin just described in terms of our, uh, his interpretation of the the mechanical experience of flying the space shuttle, the instrumentation, the, the, the cockpit. And then there are the complications that were built around that, which effectively show um, not just the time on Earth, of course, which is what we see uh, on a traditional watch at, at six o'clock on the face but also two complications um, in the lateral indices. Um, So one at a traditional 10 o'clock and one at a traditional two o'clock. At 10 o'clock that shows um, all of the stages of takeoff um, and then at two o'clock, all of the stages of landing. So that uh, if the wearer were to watch a a full rotation um, uh, on their wrist and sit there with the manual that we redesigned, they would be able to go through every single stage of preparing for, taking off, entering low earth orbit, re-entering the atmosphere and landing. And, you know, there's a, I think there's a, there's a really beautiful, a really beautiful space in in one's mind that you can go to. If you were to sit down and look at this and I've done this, mind you, (laughs) sit down and look at this with a really nice glass of scotch and, and just contemplate what, what these astronauts would have experienced in those, you know, seven odd minutes as they're, as they're strapped to a gigantic explosive rocket hurtling them into space and then what that feeling must have been like as they came back and
0: i'm sure they would have loved to have had this watch strapped on their wrist (laughs) to distract them from the fact they were strapped to an enormous bomb and also a glass of scotch in the other in the other hand maybe in a tommy tippy cup (laughs) yeah
1: i don't think scotch is nasa issue (laughs) but 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 you put your finger on it right which is that the and and we had the great—I don't think we can mention mention their name here, unfortunately—but um, we had the great pleasure of actually Martin had the great pleasure of speaking with an astronaut. <laughs> I was I was slightly preoccupied. <laughs> yeah, I was slightly preoccupied. My son was being born, and, and and I have to admit, um, you know that probably the only thing in the entire world that would ever distract me from from being around around uh, my, my second child being born is, hey, do you want to go talk to an astronaut? And you're like, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: tough so, one. I yeah. think you probably made the right decision and even if that isn't the genuine thought process that you went through um it's better to say that on on the podcast, you know.
1: Exactly. Well, that's why I'm still married. But but the point is um you know, we we, we I think we heard from from that astronaut very explicitly that for some people um that that 7 minutes is a wild ride and for other people it's utterly horrifying and terrifying and and you know, that the sound of the ship rattling and and the the intense g forces and all the things that we that that you know you don't think about when you think about you know the movies, right? Because the movies make it all look pretty neat. But it's when you think about it, it's it's
2: terrifying. Remember Ash when he when he talked about uh that moment at the at the start at the be- very beginning before before uh, the the rocket actually go uh, is in space. You know um that it where it tilts a bit yeah, because yeah. It, it wants. It, it has to not fall back when, when there is a problem, so it should not fall back on the landing on the on the, on the uh, launch pad. So, so it actually does a little a little move, um, you know, so, to, to get the right angle, and um, and that uh, you know the astronaut described to us as a, as a kind of like a, like a, a moment where time stands still because he is somehow it's 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 a, a kind of a feeling that of insecurity in a way because the. That the whole uh, big rocket, that whole piece somehow moves and, and you almost like fall uh, in a way. And, and so he started to describe things like that, that only a person who has experienced it by himself, you know, of course knows. And it was such a pleasure actually to, to talk to the, uh, to the astronaut about his experience. Um, uh, it was. It's really some, for me. It's it's an absolute dream to 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 come true uh, that we had this chance to do that. that was super. And he, of course, could could give us. Uh, um, we went through the whole, you know, flight, so to say, like a start and then also landing, um, asking a precise questions about how the how how this feels and and what what uh, an astronaut goes through when he experiences this, and so so, so to to somehow. Uh, get ourselves this idea of of you know this this flight and and to somehow appreciate fully you know that we have in on the watch uh, these indications that help us to to somehow uh, go to this uh, process again mm-hmm. um it it's, it it's it's it, so it's the instrument itself like like the instruments in a, in a spaceship actually uh, um talk about that flight you know about that um, uh, flight to to space and back couldn't have said it better <laughs> thank you
0: it is fascinating uh, to me and I, I wonder if the astronauts themselves uh, that you spoke to and worked with in in uh, run up to this release are also members of a collective uh <laughs> and if not how do they become members because this is quite interesting asha because like the joining the, join- the sign up process is uh it's not just how it's also a little bit when right Every time every time we talk about this I
1: always I always get a little nervous because in this world of the overheated watch market when we talk about this idea of, of um, requiring an application to to have the right you know to, to join a community or, or to buy something it, it it can rub it can it can sound um, it can sound not great but I think if we go back to the original conversation that we were having a few minutes ago about you know why we formed collective we did it because we wanted, to build a healthy community and to build a healthy community. You want to make sure that people join for the right reasons. And and for us, the right reasons have nothing to do with the size of your collection or or any of that. What's important to us is your, is your, your, your open-mindedness, your desire to be part of and to contribute to a community. So as a result, we have an application process and we open up new membership slots with every watch we release. So with this, with this or the second in our um, independent watch series, we call it the portfolio series. Um, we, we will accept um, new, will anyone who's interested in buying the watch, who is not a member who is predominantly interested in joining collective as well, uh, can apply and then, um, and then join. And uh, you know, th- there won't be too many slots on this one because we're only making 20 pieces um, but, um, our next watch later this year, uh, will be significantly larger run. It's 125 pieces. So there'll be, you know, a lot of opportunity to join on that one. But what we're really looking for are people who are excited about the idea of the community and for whom the watch is the connective tissue, not, not someone who is, you know, looking to to buy the watch and, and, and the collective is, se- is secondary to that. Um, so that's, that's how we do it.
0: So I guess part of the hope is that the watchers, of course, that they, they stay within the community, they stay within the collective. So, like when you are able to meet in person again after COVID restrictions um relax, and maybe you have a chance to get together, you guys and and uh, any member of a, of a club will have like the watchers that connect them together, rather than mm-hmm. them being bought by people who just want to hoard them away in safes or like, you know, use them as status symbols. It's the exact opposite of that, right? That's why the checks uh, or the, the application process is in place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, two things about that. Um, yes. Uh, I think
1: it's important because I, like I said earlier, I think it's the connective tissue, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I, I as, as a collector, I don't have individual, I don't, I don't have uh, endless means, you know? Um. So, so my collection does change and I, and we make a point to tell people that when, you know, when you buy a watch, uh, from collective, we don't expect you, uh, or force you to have it forever. And, you know, we don't, we don't have limitations, for example, on like, if you can sell, what we do say is if you're going to, you know, if, if you're, if it's time to move out of a watch, that's, that's not only fine. In fact, we we even have a pre-owned program that we built with our friends at Hodinkee. So if you really want to sell it, um, you can, you know, you can sell it through them if you choose. And we make it very easy for people to do that. Um, but the, but, but but if we do determine that someone has joined the collective for the sole purpose of buying a watch to resell, then then we'll remove them happily. That's that's never happened. But we also want people to feel like it's a sustainable thing. You know, in order to stay a member of collective, we ask you to invest in one watch at least every two years. And for some people, that's that's totally reasonable. And for some people, that's an extremely heavy financial lift. And we just want to be respectful of that. So you know, if someone bought, uh, our Zenith and they wore it for a few years and they loved it and they enjoyed it. And then they see this ervork and they go, Oh my God, I want that. And I can sell the Zenith and it'll, it'll make a, you know, probably not make as much of a dent as you want, but it'll make a dent, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I'll do it. And, um, you know, I, I don't want people to feel like they can't, um, you know, what watch collecting isn't, is a beautiful art form, but it can be preventative, and, and I want to try and take down some of the the barriers to to, to being able to expose yourself to to watches like the UR one hundred.
0: I really like that idea. I think that's a really really nice way of like creating a, a good space, an encouraging space, and a, fa- a foundational space for uh, a new community to be built. Martin, do you think that um, these groups and there aren't really many. I don't think there's any like uh, collective uh, in the industry are very valuable to the future of uh, the watch industry do you think that uh, brands are going to look to collaborators um more and more as time passes
2: yeah absolutely i think so i mean it's a it's a form um it's a super interesting form when you somehow work together with uh with a group uh to, who is really um fascinated by watches who is totally um you know you know into it uh you you have uh, it's it's just something new it's a different uh, way of doing it we 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 had maybe only two two or three uh projects like this where we would work with a with a group and and it's a super enjoyable uh, experience as i said you you have this exchange and uh, uh you know you you get to know people it's a, it's it's a very it's a, it's a super form i really enjoyed it and I think it's um, it's uh, uh, something that, uh, that will be uh, explored more in the future even.
0: That is exciting to hear. I mean, obviously, as a member of a, a media specialist like Fratello that is moving more into this direction of working with brands directly ourselves, it's fascinating to see other collaborative efforts, not just from our peers directly, but also from a completely different uh, conceptual background like Collective. And it's very exciting, I think, because 20 years ago, um, the watch industry was a completely closed shop and there was no feedback uh, from the communities or from the people that would buy these watches and wear them and enjoy them. And I think that was a real shame. I think that the industry lost out on a lot of experience that now is getting the chance at last to gain. One question to you both, um, this is just more of an academic one than anything else, but do you think there is a point at which the watch brands, Really need to be careful of collaborating too much and that they have to be very discerning because the trend now is to sort of go towards these collaborations quite eagerly because they offer that kind of feedback and they offer that direct connection to a ready made community and a ready made audience. But how important is it for brands to retain their uh, direction, shall we say?
2: Mm-hmm i think uh, you know, for, out of my perspective uh, or for, uh, let's say from from urberg uh, uh, it's it's you do it you do it anyway you do only do it if you if you like to do it if it's something that you uh, that you already, that you feel, you know, great about. That's, that's, uh, if you see that the collaboration is, is that with a, with a, with another brand? Is that with a collective? Is that with a, like a, like a group, like the, co- like the, like collective? Um, uh, it, you don't, you don't do it if you're not, if you don't feel that it's something, it's something great. So it has to, first of all, it has to be something enjoyable in, in, in my uh, idea. It has to be something, uh, where you can learn something, uh, you know, I think, We are in it for the experience, you know. That's, that's, that's how I see it. You want to, you want to do an experiment whenever you create something new. Um, that's the main reason why you do it. Uh, others might see it differently, but for me, that's that's the logic behind it. So you you can see, we did for instance a collaboration at some point with uh, with McAllen, uh, you know, uh, uh, for for a whiskey flask, and that sounded so super thrilling that we couldn't say no. I mean, you know, if you have if you have uh, projects like this, you will do it, uh, and it's up to you to to somehow to decide. And you see then you know if you if you're busy too busy with other projects projects uh, you don't do it and and if there's something coming up uh, that that is promising then you do it that's that's i don't think that you can somehow reach a, a, a you know a point where that's uh, becomes uh, somehow uh, because it's you you decide
1: i can say as a total side note martin i've had a saved search for that mccallan flask on ebay for like three years <laughs> <laughs> it never it never pays off <laughs> Um,
2: it's rare,
1: (laughs) look, I I think, I think everything Martin said is is spot on. And I mean, for me, you know, just putting on my, like my brand or my marketing hat, I I think a lot of brands make the decision to say yes or to say no, sometimes for the wrong reasons, right? If you're saying yes, because you think that it's going to like provide access to like a collector community, for example, to me, that's the wrong reason, because maybe that's going to be the, the, the outcome, but that's not the point. And, you know, if you're saying no, because, you know, in your mind, a collaboration is let's take this green watch and make it blue, then then you're also sort of missing the point. I think what what is exciting to me about what we did or what Urwork was 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 able to accomplish on this project. And I think that's the key factor, by the way, what Urwork was able to accomplish because together the way that. The, yeah. But the way that uh, look, the, I want I want to give credit where credit is due. I mean, let's watch this watch. You led the design of this watch because you have defined, with your partners at, at the company, a very clear um, visual articulation, a very clear language about, about how about mm-hmm. what, what what makes an urwork an urwork. And because of that, when we had an idea, we ne- that idea is now spoken, at least in my mind, in the language of urwork. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is 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 a, is is an ideal collaboration where maybe we brought an opportunity or an idea, and we we worked with you, you know, and we, we talked through it, but ultimately where we landed is something that is unquestionably, uh, at least in my mind an Mm over, um, you know, and and it's, and I think a lot of people get scared of collaboration because they think when they come in that uh, this third party is going to somehow pull them further from the core of who they are. When, when in reality, in my mind, a good collaboration uh, goes exactly the opposite direction. It's, it's, it's 100% in the voice of the, of the watchmaker, 100% in the voice of the, of the brand, but it's saying something that that watchmaker may not have thought to say before, or may not have had, you know, if it's a larger company may not have permission to say, and to me, that's really exciting. That's where collaboration becomes a creative opportunity. Otherwise, you know, it, it, it starts as a commercial opportunity and it doesn't go much further than that. So I, I, I I hope, uh, you know, for if if anyone in in the industry is listening to this, that, that collaboration to them sounds like a freeing thing, not a limiting thing. And, you know, when we say like, is this something that more watch companies should do? I would say that really depends on, on whether that watch company feels like, like they want to lean in and, 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 and put the effort in for something like this to create something special, because this is a lot of work.
0: And once again, it is, it's uncommonly, um accepting of risk so many watch brands are conservative and so many watch brands look at things um, in the wrong way like you said like if you if you're doing this project because you think it might gain you access to a a a walled community that otherwise would have been inaccessible then yeah that's not right i think picking up on what martin said about the enthusiasm and the passion for the project as like the central motivator Mm. is absolutely the way forward because when you believe in a project when over and collective believe in this watch it comes through in the end product it really shines like it's obvious the passion is there it's not some cynical redial or like a a shortcut to just try and cash in on a commercial opportunity it's a genuine collaborative process with back and forth and uh, missteps and resolutions Mm -hmm. and creativity bouncing off the walls all over the place quite obviously and this is the kind of thing that I really, really, really enjoy. And I think that it takes a great deal of maturity from a great many brands to open themselves up to new experiences, um, to be informed from other minds and outside the industry. And the result, as we see here, can be like absolutely stunning when it's done properly and wholeheartedly. So I'm all for it. Uh, and Maybe I'm biased as well, but uh, I, I love it. I think that it's brilliant when brands open their arms to these possibilities and long may it continue. I hope so
1: too. I mean, look, what I, I, more and more and more, my eyes are being open to the fact that watchmaking can be a canvas for, for telling an emotional story, you know, in the same way that, that, that a literal piece of canvas or, or, you know, or, or any other artist medium is and, or can be. And, and I think, I think sometimes, you know, the, the watches that really grab you, that really speak at least speak to me are the ones where you can tell that that the heart and the soul of the designer has gone into it and it makes you contemplate something. Like, actually, like, I'll give you an example. So staying in the family of Erwork, Martin, one of my favorite pieces that you guys have, have ever made mm-hmm. is, is your pocket watch. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, and part of the reason why I love this pocket watch is that, um, and correct me if I'm wrong on this complication, but I believe yeah. in addition to measuring uh, 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 everything that we're used to, right, minutes, uh, seconds, days, months, uh, it also measures a, a millennia, correct?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it's like the opposite of the second. So
1: this is a wonderful object, right? Because sure, it, it will, te- it, it will do what it said it will do. Technically I'll never be around to see it. I'll be very dead. But, but the idea, what it's doing, right. <laughs> is it, it's forcing you to contemplate the nature of time. It's forcing you to think about something that you may not have thought about. It's forcing you to think about the permanence of an object versus like the, the transience of life. And it's doing it um, through in its own language and it's a, in its own way, and, and it's it's magical. And if you do that, if you can create something like that, you can you can really bring someone in, and then the watch is the vehicle that tra- that tells that that, that 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 conveys that story, you know, like the watch.
2: I have to say, <laughs> no, no, just to, because to this point, you know, thinking about the watch, of course, we can say a watch is an object. Status symbol. It's it's a. Uh, it has its function. You know. It has with the time. It helps with the orient in the day and so on and so forth. But I think uh, a watch is much more than that. It's really a philosophical machine. Uh, it deals with the, with uh, with something that we don't hundred uh, percent understand. Time, and so you can you can take it as a reason to think. You know to start thinking about all sorts of things. All the things that come together when you when you when you look at the watch, what the, it's like the history of, of, of watchmaking that goes uh, to directly to the beginning of, of science, and so you have you have a, really a lot that comes together, and so it's 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 uh, you know we are alive you know we are today you know we have the chance to do stuff, and we 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 have to do it somehow to learn something, and uh, so everything has to be an experiment. To 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 me, this is important. So so the the, the, the actual reason why you do it has to be uh, to learn something, to 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 find out something. Therefore, you can also dare a collaboration uh, even when you're not 100 percent sure. You know if 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 it comes out good. You know you, you don't have to know that beforehand because it's an experiment. You should find out while doing. And we did collaborations that were not so easy because, as I said, the subject here it it really helps a lot. It's it's a uh, it's like something that you just wait for, you know, to happen. But there can be um, other other uh, collaborations where you where you find out that the friction is is like a, more of a problem. Yeah. But still, there, you know, it is. This is why you uh, why you do it to find out about it and somehow to learn uh, doing it.
0: Well, the result has been absolutely smashing, uh, to be quite frank. And uh, obviously, like uh, going through this process again and again and with different different brands and. Uh, also for you martin with different partners over the years it's it's an educational experience without a doubt and only helps the brand and hopefully the partner also grow in a in a in a new way and uh, that is the most exciting thing i think isn't it like when we allow ourselves these new experiences and when we sort of embrace the philosophies of time and really go deep into it in that slightly meta way. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing when you, when you work on a project that you care about, then you start being open about, you know, different extensions to it, you know, and, and one of the things that we, so there are th- there's a lot of things that the collective did on this project that we've never done before. We made a, we made a short film, for example, um, uh, starring Martin,
2: <laughs> <Very cool. laughs> uh, as well as Eric. Cool. you know, we, we
1: made a short film, which you can see on our YouTube channel today. You know, um, we, we, um, uh, we we created um, a small capsule collection of products to accompany it. You know, we we probably drove uh, poor poor Remy, one of the team members at uh, at, at nuts, trying to to rebuild the entire box from the bottom up. You know, we we did. Martin designed absolutely gorgeous. I'm, I'm I actually I'm holding the final strap samples in my hand because we're not even done yet because we you know it, it keeps getting refined.
2: Um, yeah, we continued. Uh, yeah. We discovered that we have to somehow, we have you know, stop <laughs> uh, we have some more, some more stuff. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think,
1: I think that, that, that's the thing about a project that you love, and I think this is true about any any project, like even outside of the watch world. You know, if you really, really, really love it, you can't stop thinking about it. And if you can't stop thinking about it, then you, you're just going to keep you're going to keep tweaking it until you absolutely have to kick it out the door. And I think this has opened our mind, Gabe and you know, myself. So when we think even about our next collaboration and Oc- that's coming out in October, how we can take some of the learnings about how we've, you know, how we have connected ourselves emotionally to this project, and and make sure that those same emotions that we have for the next project, you know, are also coming through. So that when someone sees one of these watches, you know, the impact isn't just like, oh, cool. It's it's a it's a limited UR one hundred. They see it and they think oh man, I remember watching discovery take off. I remember the blue, you know, flight suits. I remember all of that. And that's what leads them into, to the watch. Um, and oh yeah. And that's, that's what I want someone to feel.
0: Martin Asher, thank you so much for your time. I think that was probably the most fascinating hour I've spent on the podcast. It was, uh, brilliant stuff listening to you to vibe back and forth and really getting a feel for the relationship that you've established over this collaborative process and uh, I can't wait to meet you both in real life at one point Martin I know I'll see you in Geneva Asher one day soon uh, I hope but a real pleasure gentlemen thank you let's get back on the podcast again sometime soon because it was a real thrill and take it easy
2: great uh, talking um, you know hope to see you soon thank you both
1: that was a real joy I appreciate you (music)